Well, I was on vacation. I was reading the book of Psalms. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but a thought will grip your heart on one verse, and it just hangs on. Maybe that's just a preacher's thing, but it hangs on, and it seems like from then on, all the thoughts that you have come off of that one thought, and they all start working together, and the next thing you know, you have a message that has built inside of your heart. And that's kind of what's going on here. It's actually what I'd call a sister message to a message that I preached earlier this year. And that message has the distinction of being the last message that I ever preached to a live audience in the other auditorium. I hope it's not the last one I ever preached in the other auditorium, but it's the last message that I preached before all this mess came upon us, and it, this is a sister message to that. So we're going to, I don't, when I, when I preach, I normally, rarely do I consider the calendar or the holidays or any of that when I'm getting ready to preach. I almost never consider that, and for sure I didn't this time, but it is actually a good message, a fitting message to preach on Labor Day weekend. So Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and that all that is within me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sin, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is, higher, is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandment to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his words. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is our passage this morning, a marvelous passage of scripture, but the original thought did not come from here. The original thought came from three, three chapters previous, Psalm 100. It's interesting in my mind, 
I don't know if you can remember your childhood. I don't know how far back you can remember your childhood. But the earliest memories that I can conjure up, this passage is a part of that. My earliest memories stem from being in South Carolina in Bob Jones Academy, and we memorized this passage of Scripture when I was just maybe first grade. That's as far back as my memory will go. My memory, the first memories I have, is of that. You know what a blessing that is? I almost started crying as I was sitting there, sitting in that seat over there, thinking about that as I was getting ready to preach. I almost started crying. Do you know what a blessing it is to have your earliest memories be of the scriptures? And I trust, no, I know that many of you in here, that's not your earliest memories. And your earliest memories are a long ways from that. But may it always be of our children that that's their memories. That their earliest memories stem from the gospel, stem from the Bible and the effect that it has in their life. I desire that for all of the children of this church. That their earliest memories would be of the Lord. But this verse obviously has special meaning because it's one of my earliest memories. Verse number two, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. In the Bible, our relationship with the Lord is defined or illustrated in many ways. He is the creator, we are the creation. He is the king, we are his subjects. He is the father, we're the children. He's the teacher, we're the pupil. He's God, we're worshipers. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. Kirsty just saying, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. He's the master, we're the servant. Those are just a few of the illustrations. And each one of them help us, give us insight into our relationship with God. But together, all of those give us a well-rounded view of what our relationship with God is like. All through the scriptures, the relationship master and servant is used. It is very familiar. If you've been in church at all, any length of time, the relationship, he's the master, we're the servant, is very familiar. Our hymn books overflow with this particular topic. In fact, almost every hymn book has a section that is entitled Service, dealing with hymns that are strictly dealing with this particular subject, songs of service to the master. Unfortunately, in our world, service often has a negative connotation. Nobody wants to be, as they call it, the low man on the totem pole. Our flesh screams out that being the one who gives the orders is better than being the one who receives them. In fact, I'm guessing that every person over the age of 15 has had a negative work experience. A job you look back on and say, that was miserable. I hated that job. It's easy, since we all have those, to lose sight of how very good we have it in the service of the Lord. This morning we want to shake off that misthinking. Title of this morning's message, Glad Service. Glad Service. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice to be your children.
we want to understand your service, and we want to serve you with gladness. And we're asking that your spirit would illumine this passage to us in ways that we didn't think possible. We want to understand this as well as David understood it when he wrote it, and maybe even better than that. For we ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Tomorrow morning when the alarm rings, all over the country, very few people will jump out of bed excited to go to work. They will get up and go because they have to go. Most of us prefer food to starvation. Most of us prefer a car to a bicycle. Most of us prefer a house over our head as opposed to a tent in a homeless camp. So when the alarm rings, we get up and go. Of necessity, we get up and go. We would prefer to stay home, but we are compelled to go. I think everybody here gets that. David, in Psalm 100, has an entirely different viewpoint on service in his relationship to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness, not from compunction, not from obligation, not grudgingly, but gladly. What makes the service to the Lord glad service? That's a legitimate question, is it not? David says, serve the Lord with gladness. What makes it glad service? Now I want you to take a few moments and answer that question. It is not good for God's people to be constantly spoon-fed. Okay? You must force your own brain to think and to come up with answers. Okay? And so, instead of me spoon-feeding this all completely to you, force your brain to think that through. Come up with, try to come up with two or three reasons why the Lord's service is glad service. Why should we serve the Lord with gladness? I'll give you a moment to think here. Force your brain to come up with a look. Either write them down or get them in your mind. Why is the service of the Lord glad service? I don't smell anything burning yet as your brain is trying to work. Okay, here we go. Everybody's mind works a little bit different, and so you have, may have things that I didn't think of and vice versa. But let's answer that question this morning. Let's get it nailed down. It may help if we look at this in terms of our secular work world, because we, under, we all understand that. And in order to understand something else, you take something you know and compare it, and it helps you understand something you may not quite get. So we'll kind of... We'll kind of link this to our own secular work world. Our service to the Lord is glad service because, number one, our employer. Now, I'm taking a little bit liberty there. Our master, you might say, the person that you're working for. We're supposed to serve the Lord with gladness. So our employer. I enjoy reading all kinds of books, but I enjoy reading the book A Christmas Carol at Christmas time. 
I try to read it almost every year. I like the story. You're familiar with the story. Scrooge, who is the main guy, the main bad guy, he's, he is a money grubber. He is, he's greedy and he's hard and he's always making money. He has one employee, Bob Cratchit, who is constantly making Bob Cratchit's life a misery. Anything that he can do against Bob Cratchit, he's really doing. It makes his life a misery. If you're familiar with the story, when Scrooge goes back into his past, he's actually dreaming, but the ghost of Christmas past takes him to this past. He takes him to his first employment, which was at old Fezziwig's shop. And old Fezziwig, as Scrooge is looking at this, remembering this scene, Scrooge is smiling because it is a very pleasant memory. And the ghost of Christmas past starts to say something kind of negative or minimize what old Fezziwig, how he ran his shop. And Scrooge says, he had the, the ability to make our life a drudgery or make it wonderful. He had the ability to make our life a misery or make it wonderful. And then he gets really quiet as he remembers how he's been treating Bob Cratchit. And he realizes, I've been making my employee's job a misery when it could have been something blessed, something good. All of us understand that. All of us can relate. We've all had a boss who made our life, our work, either pleasant or who made our work a drudgery. Now, since we understand that, let me ask you this. What type of master is the Lord? If you're supposed to serve the Lord with gladness, what type of a master is he? Could we have asked for a better song to be sung? He is the gentle shepherd. Is this not... My wording that I've got written in front of me is, is he not a kind, gentle master? Does not your heart just warm with the thought of who he is and how he treats you and working for him? Polycarp is an old saint who was being tried for his faith. I can't remember what year that was. But he was, they were trying to get him to recant. They were compelling him through torturous means to recant to take back and to not follow the Lord. And Polycarp said, Eighty and six years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. Amazing. Think of that. Can you not say the same thing? I can't say eighty and six, but I have been in the service of the Lord for over forty years. I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was young. And I've been in his service all the time, and I cannot think of a single instance where he did not treat me infinitely better than I deserve. Infinitely better than I deserve. When Polycarp said, 86 years I've served him, and he's done me no wrong, we all have that same experience with the Lord. It is glad service, my friend. Why? Because of who your master is the person that you work for. It is glad service because he is a good master. 
Why is it glad service? Because he's a good master. But number two, because of the work that we get to do. It's glad service because of the work that we get to do. You know what? Our world is filled with senseless work that has no purpose. You may feel that way at your job. Many employees sit at a desk all day, merely shuffling papers from one desk to another, just moving this paper around and making your mark on it. Many people do that. Much of the food that we produce in this country, the farmers produce it, the chefs cook it, and a good percentage of that ends up where? In the garbage can. It's like, wait a second, how did this all happen? It was senseless work. I think it was John Weaver who told me a few years ago, there was a bank that hired them. They had a house that was foreclosed on. So the bank hired them to do a bunch of work on this house, ten dollars or $15,000 worth of work that they did on this house, and when they got it done, they tore it down. <laughs> and you're like, wait a second here. We just did all that work. You just spent $15,000, and then they tore the house down. You say, that was useless. If you watch politics, and I don't, but if you watch politics, you see these guys, they play video clips of these guys making these very powerful speeches, very direct, and they're really letting it have it. They play clips of that. But if you actually ever watch the video that they actually took, if you scan it around, there's nobody out there. They are speaking to an empty auditorium. You say, that is useless. Making a speech and writing it to an empty auditorium is exactly right. Much of the work that is done in the world is of a useless variety. It has no purpose when it's being done, and it has no value later on. But in Christ, everything in his service has value. Every single thing that he asks you to do has value. It either changes us, it brings glory to his name, or brings eternal results or all three at the same time. The work we are called to do is not mundane or senseless, it's eternal. Now ask yourself this legitimate question. Why should you be allowed to be involved in eternal work? That is a legitimate question. Why should you be allowed to be involved in eternal work? The reality of the, the situation is we should not be able enabled to even speak the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is so holy that someone like us should not be even allowed to speak it. You know, if that's the case, then how can we be allowed to be involved in eternal work? And I'll tell you why. Because our master has called us to his service. Not mundane, useless work, but eternal work. My friend, that is glad service. It's glad service because of who we work for. It's glad service because of what we get to do. Number three, it's glad service because the provision that we have for the work, the provisions that are made for the work. It's a very common thing in our world to be asked to do something without being given the wherewithal to do it. 
It happens all the time. You're asked to do something, but not given the supplies or the wherewithal to do it. When I was just out of high school, Craig hired me to work with his dad, Arv. <laughs> a unique experience, to say the least. But they had a bid with the, st the city to do miles of sidewalk, miles of sidewalk. And we showed up on the job site the very first day. There was a several other guys. They were, knew what I was doing. I was just a flunky. I didn't know anything. To bust up miles of sidewalk. And Arv had a, if you knew Arv, this won't shock you at all. <laughs> Arv had a sledgehammer. The handle was only about that long on it. And it was wrapped with wire <laughs> in order to keep that, because it had already split down the center of it. <laughs> he had wrapped with wire to keep it from breaking. <laughs> and Arv pulled that out of the truck, and I won't tell you what all the other, what the guys said about that whole thing, but one of the other guys who really knew what was going on, I don't know what he did, but the first swing, he said, we need a new sledgehammer. <laughs> I don't know what he did. I think he broke it on purpose. <laughs> well, it wouldn't take taken much. But he says, we need a new sledgehammer right now, because this one's not going to work. We, were, we had this job, but we didn't actually have the tools to do that job. This is a very common thing. You still <laughs> Craig's using it on the jobs now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I could tell you a lot of stories about that. We won't go there. We'll have to save those for another time. <laughs> Good times. I've heard of lots of people who work in, the, in their office, and they have to bring stuff from home in order to get their job done. School teachers having to provide their, all the supplies for their own classrooms. None of this stuff surprises because it's common, in fact. We're, it's, in fact, it's so common, I don't know if you ever saw this posted in an office workplace. We have been asked for so long to do so much with so little that we are now qualified to do anything with nothing. If you're not saying it used to be posted all over all kinds of offices. Because we're used to being asked to do things that we don't have the power, this stuff to do it with. But think of your service for the Lord. You know what? You were not put into the service of the Lord because, you know, when you, when you hire somebody, they, you, when you sit down at the, the, at the hiring table, they want to know what you're going to bring to the business, right? What are you going to add to our team here? Can you imagine what would happen if the Lord had asked you that question? <laughs> what do you bring into this organization? <laughs> that would have been a tough question, wouldn't it? You know what? You already had to come to the answer to that. You weren't bringing anything. You weren't bringing a thing. You were incompetent then. You're incompetent now. And you will be incompetent in the future in the service of the Lord. That is the reality. That's what we brought to the table. Incompetence. Now, who would have taken you in for that? But you know what? The Lord said... I've got enough power for all of us. You're going to be able to do this job because I'm going to provide every single thing that you need. You're going to have it. You're incompetent, but I'm not. And I have an abundance of power. And you're going to be involved in work that is amazing work. It's eternal work, and you don't have any competence for that. But I've got enough for all of us. And you are put in his service, and you get to be involved in eternal work but he has the provision to accomplish the work. My friend, that is glad service. Number four, it's glad service because the employee benefits. We're thinking about it in these terms, 
Think about the employee benefits. That's a big thing in our world these days. When you have got a job here recently, one of the things they always want to talk about is the benefit package because it's important. The salary or your money per hour is only part of the deal. It's not the only consideration. Health insurance, vacation days, sick leave, holiday pay, profit sharing, company cars, company phones, all these types of things add up and sometimes are almost as important as the money per hour. So what are the benefits in the service of the Lord? What are the benefits? Well, here we come to our passage. Look at Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth, you know, as we, as we read through this, I'm just going to, I don't have time to, to parse all of this out, but think about this in terms of your employer, if you did this at work, what your employer now would do, okay? Think about the, that, I'll help you understand this. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. He doesn't hold your past against you. Who healeth all thy diseases. Well, there's a health plan, isn't it? He heals you physically. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. He keeps you safe. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. He always deals with you with kindness and tenderness. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. He meets all of your needs with good things. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment. He treats everyone fairly. In verse, the second half of that, and judgment for all that are oppressed. He doesn't allow anyone to abuse their power in your life. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts to the children of men. His expectations and plans are not hidden. You know where he's going. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. When you make a mistake, he doesn't chop off your head. He doesn't yell and scream. He deals with you in mercy. Verse number 9, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't hold a grudge. You know, I was thinking, when I was thinking through this passage of Scripture, I remembered I had a friend in college. We, all, we, we both worked for a lumberyard. He worked there the year before I did. And if you know anything about college and where I went to college, you were tired all the time because they ran you like none other. And so when, most of us were working full-time jobs and going to school full-time. Anyway, he went to, he was working this lumberyard, and he was back, they had a big warehouse basically full of insulation and I don't know what took place they somebody found him one of the managers found him back there sleeping at least they said he was sleeping no he said he was not sleeping but I was a college student I know that if he sat down he probably fell asleep he said he didn't they said he did and you know we were there for three I worked there for over two years and still all that time he was trying to overcome that reputation Something he had done three years, and he was a hard-working guy. But for three years, he was trying to live down that one thing that may or may not even have happened. 
He was trying to live that down. Many of you know what that's like. But look at what it says here. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't hold a grudge against you. If we drop down to verse number 14. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. He doesn't ask us to do more than he enables us to do. He knows your limitations. My friend, this is glad service. The benefits we have for being in a service are incalculable. You know, most employees have an employee handbook that the employers have this, that they've written out that spells out all the benefits that an employee is going to get. You know what? We have one too. We have a, full, a book full of the benefits of the service of the Lord. And it would be impossible to fully articulate the benefits from the service that we give, that we have in our Lord. It is glad service because of who we work for, the work that we get to do, the, the provisions that are made to make it happen, and the benefits we get from it. Number five, it's glad service because of the retirement plan. Can you think anything in these work terms? Because of the retirement plan. You know, some jobs have retirement plans. You work for that company for so many years, then you retire and they keep paying you a certain amount. Many of this room are, are benefiting from that. You're on a retirement plan and the, the, that company has kept paying you. Other jobs, when you're done, you're done. They have no obligation to you after your work. Obviously, our service to the Lord on this earth is a limited time. Whether by death or by his return, our service in this life will end. But the Lord still has a plan for you. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Our service to the Lord on this earth is glad service, but it doesn't end. The Lord still has a plan for our future. So what are those plans? What are those plans that the Lord has for us? Well, you know, I really don't know. But I can tell you this, you don't want to miss it. You're not going to want to miss this. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. with all the other benefits and a future like that, who could deny that this is glad service? The service to the Lord is glad service. There's no downside. You cannot find a downside to the service of the Lord. It is a fact that cannot be denied. But the one fact that's true, on, in spite of that, is many do not take advantage of it. It's glad service, but many do not take advantage of it. Some have never entered into that service. 
I like the book Pilgrim's Progress. It's a great book. It's got a lot of good pictures in it. My mind thinks in pictures, so it works well, really well with how I think. I like the book, but there's parts of the book that I absolutely love. And one of the parts that I absolutely love is when Christian, the main character of the book, is up against Apollyon, who is a picture of the devil in the book. And they're fighting, and Apollyon is trying to get Christian to go back. And Christian says, I like my new master. I'll paraphrase. He says, I worked for you for so long, and you never paid a livable wage. I love that. <laughs> he said, because the wages of sin is death. That is a good picture. I don't like your service. I was in it for a long time and you never paid a livable wage because the wages of sin is death. And now I'm in the service of the Lord and I like my new service. That's a good thought. The wages of sin is death. Have you realized that yet, my friends? That the devil doesn't pay a livable wage? service to the wicked one heaps up a life full of misery and pain because the way of the transgressor is hard and when you look to the future it only gets worse that's all service to the wicked one is is pain and misery and a miserable future We often stay in our jobs because there are no options. You don't like the job, but there's nothing else you can do. You're afraid if you get that, you won't find another job. It's the only work that's available. You know, that would be our case if it weren't for the Lord Jesus. We would have had to stayed working for the wicked one who doesn't pay a livable wage. But for the grace of God, who sent the Lord Jesus to die in our place, and purchase our pardon, and then calls us to his service. You know what? You don't need to fear that you're not qualified. You don't have to worry about that, that you're not qualified to work in his service. You don't need to fear that there will be no positions available. For he said, whosoever will may come whosoever will may come the Lord has made the way to let you into his service it is glad service the devil does not pay a livable wage but the Lord says whosoever will may come and I encourage you this morning to come come to Christ run from the devil Flee his service and come to the Lord Jesus. It is strange how some people who have joined the service to the Lord have actually quit serving. They have quit their service to the Lord. It's kind of like the employee who clocks in every day and then spends all of his time playing solitaire or looking on Facebook or eBay. They're there, they're drawing the benefits, or at least some of the benefits, but they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
And actually, the people who do that, work becomes a drudgery for them. It's not glad service. It doesn't seem like glad service because they have quit serving the Lord and started serving themselves. You know, employers use a lot of things to keep this from happening to their employees, to keep their employees moving forward. Employers use a lot of things to do this so that their employees don't sit there all day clicking on their mouse playing solitaire. They put incentives out like employee of the month, special awards, financial bonuses, profit sharing, advancement in the company. And in this world, those things all have some value because it keeps the employees trying to move forward. I suppose if we went through the scriptures, we could find there are lots of these kinds of incentives for actively serving the Lord. But I don't think that's the way. There's really one incentive that we have. And this one incentive, is, in my thinking, is this. In a very short time, who knows how short, but I can guarantee you for all of us, it is very short. In a very short time, we will each stand before our precious Savior. And our precious Savior will stand there with nail-pierced hands and a sword-pierced side. And we will give an account to him. Now the one true incentive that we have is to hear these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you want to know what incentive you have, there it is. When you stand before the Lord who's got nail-pierced hands and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. With a promotion at work, you might not get that because someone better qualified got it. You may not get employee of the month because the parameters set don't actually show the real work being done. Somebody may edge you out of a bonus at work because of their last-minute effort. And you'll have an excuse why you didn't get that particular incentive. But my friends, there is no excuse. There is no competition. There is no one to blame. If you do not hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that's all on you. There's nobody in this world who can push you out of that. If we do not hear those all-important words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, we have no one to blame but ourselves. But we should hear those words because in the service of the Lord, he provides glad 